And there in the background as the story unfolds, holding his run like a young Paul Scholes, waiting as priests, poets and prophets foretold of the source of all love and life and all that is good. And then bang! In a moment that is cosmically linkable, the source becomes unthinkably shrinkable. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail incarnate deity. Because the source comes down to meet us, the king of the world becomes a fetus. And from Judean hills, the source was broadcast. And some logged on, hooked up, tuned in. And to those who did with a wireless connection, the source promised life and resurrection. Weaving tales, breaking jails, leaving trails, removing scales from people's eyes, opened to a new kingdom where humanity hails the source. But then impaled. You see, love is just words until action prevails. And this point is proven by blood drawn by nails and squaring up sin and death. The source wails, it is finished! But that's just the finale of season six. Because season seven holds a box full of tricks. Because the source smashes death in the face with a spade. Because love cannot hold his loving tirade. And for 2,000 years, the message continues. Get yourself plugged in like you've nothing to lose. So this week, reach for your settings and turn your Li-Fi on. Because the source is still speaking. His heart is still beating. And his message is love. And with it he frees us. Because the source has a name. And his name is Jesus. Good evening, Icecape. 2013. How are we doing? We're all right. Can all the boys in the house say all right, Phil? Can all the girls in this house say hi, Phil? Brilliant. Um, do you know what, guys? I'm so excited. I'm so unbelievably excited to be here at Icecap 2013 because, you know, I get out of bed for weeks like this. I get out of bed out for days like this because I live the whole of my life to see people find out about Jesus. Because all that stuff I just talked about, I genuinely believe it's true. I genuinely believe that the only way to really be alive, the only way to know that you're truly loved deep down is through Jesus. And I think if the whole world's going to get hold of this message and get hold of this life and get hold of this love, it's going to be through young people. Do you know why I think that? Because Jesus thinks that. Do you know how I know that? Because when Jesus came from highest heaven to lowest earth to change the world, he didn't start an army. He didn't run for government. He didn't take part in a reality TV show like Jerusalem's Got Talent or Strictly Come Fishing. What he did was, is he started a youth group. Because the disciples were most likely aged between 15 and 22. Which means God believes in young people. And I genuinely, genuinely believe that if we're going to see this world change, it's going to be through people like you. And so I can think of nothing better than hanging out with you for a week Talking about Jesus, getting plugged into the source, worshipping him, getting our hearts right so that we might go out and change the world. Is anyone else up for that? Is anyone else up for that? I'm really excited. I think this week's going to be amazing. 
But I've not always wanted to do that. Because when I was eight years old, I want you to think back for a moment what you wanted to be when you were eight years old. Can you think back to that moment for a moment? Okay. When I was eight years old, I wanted a job that involved working outdoors. I wanted to be part of a team. I wanted to be involved in a job that made a difference. And so I decided that I was going to be a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. All right. Can you put your hand up if you've heard of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Can you put your hand up if you're like, I don't know what this guy's on about. All I watched was SpongeBob SquarePants. Brilliant. Thanks very much. A couple of people. I genuinely want to be a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Brilliant. Thanks very much. And if you look at this little picture here, um, I wanted to be the one on the right who's Michelangelo. Thanks very much. Someone's just said it looks like me. Thanks very much. Um, so we've got uh, Leonardo at the back with the swords. We've got Donatello with the big stick. We've got Raphael with the little daggers. And I wanted to be Michelangelo with the nunchucks. Now, I'm eight years old. I've got a clue what nunchucks are. Some of you are sitting there going, what the heck are nunchucks? I've got a little video if you've never seen nunchucks before. Can we have the first little video, please? Those, ladies and gentlemen, are nunchucks. There's a fella, I think, Chen. Michelangelo was way cooler with his nunchucks, right? And uh, this, I was eight years old. And um, one particular Wednesday afternoon, uh, I was eight years old, really small, really cute, really kind of, really high-pitched voice like this. And um, I was in school. And uh, we had one of those days where you have a supply teacher. Can you put in hand if you've ever had a supply teacher? Yeah? Brilliant. And... We were, eight, we were really naughty eight-year-olds because the supply teacher comes in and to be honest, she was stupid because she said, what do you normally do on a Wednesday afternoon? And all of us kids were like, playtime, playtime, playtime. There was one little kid who was like maths and we were like, kick him, shut up. And he said, so, uh, so she said, playtime, and she actually believed us. We were like, yes, get in. So we started, me and my mates decided to be the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And my, one of my mates was Leonardo and he was like doing the sword thing, and Donatello, and, and I'm there. And I decide to make some nunchucks. And I make them out of stickle bricks. Put on you play with stickle bricks when you're younger. Sharp bits of plastic with a bit of string. And uh, I made these unbelievable nunchucks. And I'm there swinging them around my head going, mm, teenage mutant ninja turtle. Proper in the zone. I genuinely believe in this moment I'm a green reptile. And I'm swinging them around, going crazy. And then something really horrible happens. Because the string breaks. And two stickle bricks fly across the room. There's a red one and a yellow one. And I'm like, do you ever have those moments where you're like, no. It was one of those moments. And the red stickle brick starts flying towards the supply teacher. And I'm like, no. Fortunately, the supply teacher is a ninja. She must have gone to like jujitsu or something in her spare time. Because she pulls off this like neo-matrix move. She's like, and the stickle brick flies past her face. And I'm like, whew. But the yellow stickle brick is still airborne. And I'm looking in the other direction going, no. Because the yellow stickle brick is flying towards Charlene James. Now, Charlene James, let me tell you a little bit. Eight years, eight, when you're eight years old, I don't know if you know this, but girls develop faster than boys. I was like, ha, 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 eight years old, really cute. She was like, Phew. 
Do you know what I mean? She had like muscles in places that I didn't even have places yet. She was like, she could like punch through walls, man. She was like the queen of the Chinese burn. And uh, she would give you nuggies until your hair bled. She was unbelievable. And this stickle brick flies throughout the air. And Charlene James isn't a ninja. She doesn't do any jiu-jitsu, karate, or any Brazilian, anything. And a stickle brick flies through the air. And hits her in the head. And what happened next is a story for another day. But the point of the story, ladies and gentlemen, is that if you act out of an identity that is not your own, things will start to go very wrong very quickly. If you act out of an identity that is not your own, things will start to go very wrong very quickly. And the first thing I want to do as I skip 2013 is tell you who you are. Because that's really, really important. Because this book tells us it's really, really important. You see, this book is amazing. It tells us how to live, gives us a blueprint of of what God is like. But it also tells us who we are. It's the truth about who we are. And this week, we're going to get really excited and really into this book. That we might find out more about the king of the world. And what he thinks of us. And the truth is that you are loved. And that is your identity. Do you know why that is the case? Because God is love. If you were to cut God in half, you can't. That's totally impossible. But if you could, you'd just see love. We're looking at 1 John this week in the mornings. And it just says very simply, God is Love. I think we've got a slide for that. Stay there for a moment. You see, it comes from this verse, that video we watched earlier. This is probably the most famous verse in the whole of the Bible. You ask any Christian, name one verse in the Bible. This is the one they're most likely to come up with. Do you know what the biggest word is in this, uh, in this particular verse? You're looking at the letters, aren't you? Is it believed? Is it begotten? Is it everlasting? Do you know what I think the biggest word is in this? I think it's that third word. Because if I was reading this, and I think if God was reading this to us tonight, this is how it would go. For God. So Love the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not die, but have eternal life. Because God doesn't just love us a little bit. God is love. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Can you have the next little slide, please? I've totally lost my voice doing that. And that is what makes the Christian faith so unique. That's why it's be, say, then do. Because God became one of us. Before telling us what to say and what to do, God becomes one of us. And God is love. You see, there's a difference between character and behaviour. Character is what you're like. Behaviour is what you do. And God's character is love. Before anything else, he is love. And out of that character comes words of love. Seen in the Bible and speaks to us today. And out of that character comes actions of love. Him dying on a cross 2,000 years ago. You see, religion, as we saw in that video earlier, is primarily interested in what you say and what you do. 
But relationship is more interested in who you are first and foremost. And my message to you tonight is that you are loved. You know, I'm in a few relationships, as you found out earlier, uh, in the girlfriend thing. My wife has just arrived, so I'm a little bit... Um, but um, I'm married. I have this beautiful wife called Danny. She's got a boy's name, but she is a girl, I promise. And, um, and she's very pretty. And so this week, I'm not going to let her on stage very much, uh, because you boys would get jealous. And, um, and Danny, about this time last year, uh, comes up to me. And, with, and she says, Phil, I've got some news. And I was like, okay. She said, I think I'm pregnant. I was like, who's the father? I wasn't that. I was, and, uh, and what happens when you, um, when, you, uh, when you impregnate someone? That so, makes it sound so romantic, doesn't it? Um, when you, uh, um, when, yeah, when you impr- I'll go with that. When you impregnate someone, you take uh, the impregnated along uh, to a uh, midwife, and they check that you're not just lying. Um, so what they do is, um, Danny was like, had to like, lie down on this like, bed, and they get out this thing which is like co- cross between like, tomato ketchup and shower gel, and just like, <laughs> on a belly, and then get this thing and just like, pop it on a belly and see if something's there. And we're just sat there going, oh my gosh, is this true? And then suddenly, this comes on the screen. You're saying, oh, well, you can't see what it is, can you? I mean, come on. Thanks very much. It is a baby. Um, and, uh, and that's not the most amazing bit because, I mean, this baby is a little bit like me. It's proper hyperactive and it's like up and down, like headbutting the like, microphone thing. But what's even more amazing is you can hear the heartbeat. You're watching it and suddenly there's... And I was just like, this is just unbelievable. And then in November, after a five-day labour... Unbelievable. My wife is an absolute trooper. Five day labour arrives this little boy. And I really wanted to show him to you tonight, but my wife proper wouldn't let me. I was like, come on, I know it's past his bedtime, but let me just get him out. And she was like, no, but, so, but Caleb really wanted to say something to you. So I've recorded a little message. Is that okay? So um, if we can move on to the next video, this is Caleb's little message for Ice Skate this year. This is Caleb. And uh, me and Caleb have got a message for you tonight. And and that is that you are loved. Because this is my little boy and I love him. But my love for him is like a tiny bit of the taste of the love that God has for us. And there is nothing that this little boy can do to make me love him anymore. And there's nothing this little boy can do to make me love him any less. The other day... Uh, I was having an interview for a new job, and before we went to the interview, uh, Danny and Caleb prayed for me. And he got his little hands and he just put it on mine, and he was praying for me. But that didn't make me love him anymore. And then a bit later, um, I was kind of like walking Caleb up and down my chest, trying to get his feet to go one in front of the other. And then he just vomited all over me. It was absolutely disgusting. But that didn't make me love him any less. And in the same way, there is nothing you can do to make God love you anymore. And there is nothing you can do to make God love you any less. Say bye, Caleb. Bye. He's outrageously cute, isn't he? I proper love him. He's brilliant. And that's the message. That this evening, your identity is that you are loved. But there's a consequence to being loved. And that is that you are born to love in return. 
Caleb, my little boy, can we move on to the next slide, please, has um, this. This is DNA. And, um, and Caleb has my DNA within him. And what DNA does, DNA replicates. DNA uh, kind of produces um, the, uh, the message of its kind of owner. And so uh, Caleb is unfortunately going to be like me. Which means that the problem is um, that in his 20s, in his early 20s, he's going to be outrageously good looking. But later on in life, he's going to lose a bit of hair and people are going to find him less attractive. Which, boys, if you start going bald in your 20s, cash that check early, get a ring on a girl's finger, because it's only going to go south and you're only going to become less attractive. So, that's my little advice for you. That's nothing to do with the talk. That's just a little, I'll give you that for free, okay? And um, so he's also going to be outrageously hyperactive. He has my DNA within him, which means he's going to be like me. And the Bible says that for Christians, those who received him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. And so if you're a Christian, you have the DNA of Father God within you. And that naturally has to replicate. And so if God is love, you then become love to those around you because you're born to love. Next reason um, you're gonna, you were born to love is found in this little clip. Das hier ist mein Sektor. Das hier ist das wichtigste Gerät des Küstenwächters. Das Gerät und das Gerät. Überlebensradar. Mayday, Mayday. Hello, can you hear us? Can you hear us? Can you? Okay, over. We are sinking. We are sinking. Hello? The second reason you're born to love is that as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, you're a disciple or an apprentice. And the point of an apprentice is to become like the master. And when Jesus called his disciples, he would walk around and he walked around in dusty times in first century Israel. Oh, hello. <laughs> he walked around in first century Israel where it was really dusty. And the disciples considered it an honor, an honor if they got to the end of the day and they were covered in the dust of their master, of their rabbi. Because they wanted to follow so closely to him that they were covered from head to toe in his dust. And in the same way as followers of Jesus, as Christians, as little Christs, as disciples, as apprentices of the master, we are called to be like the master wherever we go. You are not just born to be loved, but you are born to love. To put in a modern way, Jesus, if he was on Facebook, he's not just to be liked, but he's there to be shared. On Twitter, he's not just there to be read, but retweeted. God's DNA is love, therefore you are called to love. What's really interesting is that um, when Jesus is telling his disciples, this is how people will know that you're really Christians. This is how people will know that you're disciples of mine. He doesn't say because you go to church or you'll wear a cross around your neck or you'll read your Bible or you not swear or you not drink or you don't do drugs or you do loads of praying. The way Jesus said that you would know that people were Christians was the way they love one another. That's John 13, 35. And an early writer of the church who's looking at the early Christians and he's saying, what are they like? He's saying, see how they love one another. What marks us out as followers of Jesus is meant to be the way that we love, the way we replicate the Father's DNA, the way we follow that Jesus so closely that his spiritual metaphorical dust covers us from head to toe. You see, the source is no good unless it goes somewhere. 
Wi-Fi is no good unless a device is connected to it. Electricity is no good if an app, unless an application is plugged in. A road is no good unless it has a destination. And the love of Jesus poured out and lavished upon us is no good unless it has an outworking in the world. And we are called to love as we are loved. And I want to just finish with two quick ways in which I think love is like. Because I think we sometimes have a bit of a messed up view of love. And the first is this, that love is tough. Because often when we watch romantic comedies, we think love is a feeling that comes and goes. Divorce rates have never been so high. But love is tough and love is a choice. A frail black woman rises slowly to her feet. She's something over 70 years of age. Facing across the room stand a load of people who have just been tried and found implicated of the murders of her son and her husband. How vividly she remembers that moment when Mr. Vandenbroek, who is the chief accused, came to her house, took her son and shot him at point-blank range in front of them. She remembers the moment when he and his officers parted nearby as they burnt his body. Years later, they came back for her husband and took him away. For months, she knew nothing of his whereabouts until they came to take her to him. There he was, bound and beaten on a pile of wood. And as they poured petrol over him and lit the flame, the last words he said was, Father, forgive them. And here she stood facing these people who have destroyed her family. And a member of South Africa's Truth and Reconciliation Committee looks at her and says, what justice should be done to these men? What would you like to see happen? She says, I want three things. First is that I want my husband to have a proper burial. So please, can you take me to the place and gather up the ashes so that he might have a proper burial? Secondly, I want Mr. Vandenbroek to legally become my son. My, my husband and my son were my only family. And I want to lavish whatever love I have left upon him. I want him to visit me one day a month in my ghetto so that I might serve him and love him. And the third thing is this. Would someone come and lead me across this courtroom so that I might take Mr. Vandenbroek in my arms, embrace him and tell him that he is truly forgiven? Overwhelmed by this news, Mr. Vandenbroek faints. And many of those in the courtroom, friends and colleagues, themselves victims of years of abuse, stand and sing slowly but assuredly. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I'm saved. You see, love's a choice. And this week, I want you to come to iScape, and I want you to choose to worship Jesus. Sometimes you'll come in and you'll be knackered, and you're like, I can't be bothered. I want you to choose to love those around you. And when you go back home, and when that person is is being horrible to you and when life's not great at home and when that person's talking about you behind your neck, back. 
I want you to choose to love them because love is tough and love is a choice. Second thing about love is that love requires an emptying of ourselves. Love is not about us. It's about Jesus. I love this moment in John 13 where John says that Jesus was about to show the disciples the full extent of his love. Now, I don't know what you're expecting at this moment. The full extent of Jesus, the king of the world, and his love. I don't know what you're expecting. I'm expecting like confetti cannons and fireworks like the opening ceremony of the Olympics. I'm expecting like chimpanzees, like spelling out the world love, word love with like glow sticks and like kind of flares. I don't know what you're expecting. The full extent of Jesus' love. What does this look like? Jesus takes a towel, wraps it around his waist and washes his disciples' feet. Do you know washing feet? I told you about the dust thing. There'd also be a lot of poo in there. Washing feet was like the worst job going. Not even Jewish slaves were allowed to wash feet. It was a job reserved for Gentile, unclean slaves. And Jesus says, I'm going to empty myself. I'm going to reduce myself to the lowest possible level to show what love is really like. And this week, I want you to know that it's not about you. It's about Jesus. But what's amazing is that as we empty ourselves, as we say, it's not about me, it's not about myself, God comes and fills us. And my prayer is that as we empty ourselves of us and our egos and our selfishness and our pride, that we get refilled with the Holy Spirit. He refills us with selflessness and beauty and love, and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and faithfulness, and goodness, and self-control. See, I've got a manifesto for this week. You know them politicians, when they stand at the front of the election, and they say, I've got a manifesto. This is what I want to see happen in Britain. I've got a manifesto for us this week. And the first thing is that, is that we learn to be like the source. That we don't just learn some good behaviour, some nice things to do, or the latest Pete James song, but that we are filled with the life-renewing, transforming Holy Spirit. And that out of that comes character. Deep, deep character. That we learn to be like Jesus. And the second thing is that we learn to be ourselves. That we learn that we are loved deeply, significant, accepted and secure. That we learn that the Spirit tells us and reassures us and reminds us that we are children of God. If you're a child of the King, that makes you a prince or a princess. I pray that we learn to be. The second thing is I pray that we learn to say. And that what we say reflects who we are and who God is. That our mouths are full of heartfelt, beautiful, passionate worship that is fit for the King. That our lips speak outrageous, audacious, dangerous prayers that shake heaven and shake earth. That change us, that change our friends, that change our communities, that change our world. Because prayer works. And my dream is that we learn to be a people of prayer this week. And finally, that our tongues speak truth. My dream for iScape is that we might encourage one another, that this becomes a melting pot for us, stirring one another, stirring one another up, encourage one another, equipping one another, and saying, yes, we can do this. 
We can see this world changed. I want us to be, I want us to say, and I want us to do what Jesus does. That our hearts are broken. That they're ripped apart. That they're torn, fire in the belly stuff for the things that break the heart of Jesus. That we would leave Minehead desperate to love the world. Desperate to be plugged in, logged on, connected to the source. And that God's kingdom comes. That the talk on the town, the chat on the street is of a generation of teenagers living for Jesus. Broken hearted, prayer spitting, kingdom living, gospel sharing revolutionaries. Let's be, let's say, let's do, let's get, let's get connected to the source who was impaled. You see, love is just action. Love is just words until action prevails. And this point is proven by blood drawn by nails. And squaring up sin and death, the source wails, it is finished. But that's just the finale of season six. Because in season seven is a box full of tricks. Because the source smashes death in the face with a spade. Because hell cannot hold his loving tirade. And for 2,000 years, the message continues. Get yourself plugged in. Like there's nothing to lose. So this week, reach for your Li-Fi. And get it turned on. Because the source is still speaking. His heart is still beating. And his message is love and with it. He frees us because the source has a name and his name is Jesus. Let's stand, shall we?